I V M. Hey everyone, welcome to Shunya One, uh, episode one seventy seven. A very special episode coming up for you. We are talking to Darshan Bhatija, the CEO and co-founder of Vault. Uh, Vault is a very very interesting company uh, in the crypto space. In fact, they're building something, uh, you know, which is. Uh, one of the various products out there, of course, uh, you know, in crypto overall, and I'm sure you guys have heard of uh, so many cool ideas uh, that have come out of this domain, which is uh, which is so interesting. But in a very volatile sort of uh, asset class, these guys are actually building a long-term investment product. So, if you've never got into crypto so far, and if you have, you know, just been on the sidelines uh, wondering what the chaos is all about, I think the conversation with Darshan will be really interesting. Uh, because he talks about, uh, you know, how exactly there is actually an opportunity to, you know, uh, sit and earn uh, good returns on crypto as an investment. So let's take a break, come back and, uh, you know, uh, talk to Darshan about exactly what this whole uh, world of Vault is about. Hey, Darshan, how are you doing? Welcome uh, to Shunya One. Thank you. Thank you for making the time. Thanks so much for having me. No, it's great to see you. Uh, I understand uh, you are you're back in India uh, at the moment, uh, but normally you're based outside of it, outside of the country, right? So I typically uh, sit out of Singapore. That's primarily because we're licensing there. But uh, uh, okay. come come uh, home to spend a little time with family, and then um, going to meet uh, some of the teammates uh, sitting out of India. Awesome, awesome. So what what has your story been like? I mean, obviously we. Uh, love to understand a little bit more about the business, Vault, uh, everything you guys do. But personally, for you, like, how did you get into this uh, domain overall, and uh, what's your uh, entrepreneurship journey been? Like? Sure. So I think I I I got into the entrepreneurial uh, mindset almost by accident. Um, I was I I always wore a finance hat before anything else, and I thought I'd do something in the uh, financial domain. An engineer by education quickly realized that I got into engineering because of my affinity towards numbers, and I, I, I thought I could channel that better in finance. So, it took me about two years, two and a half years, to get into private equity. It took me about six months to get out. I quickly realized the, when I was there uh, that uh, the way money works and the way uh, at least the financial systems are structured was to benefit the people in control of capital, as opposed to capital being a positive influencer of good and and you know as an ide- ideal 22 year old that was very disheartening so i stepped away all the while closely monitoring where disruption in in finance was really happening and uh, joined an early stage startup with some of my friends i was uh, part of the growth team over there i uh, took it from c to series a they ended up getting acquired by an academy and uh, during my time there some of the smartest people that I know kept bringing Bitcoin up to me. And, you know, initially I dismissed it as this uh, pretty noisy speculative asset, but uh, it just kept coming back. So I decided maybe I should take a weekend to read about it. A weekend became a week, a week became a, a few weeks, or a few weeks became a month. And then, uh, you know, there was no turning back. I knew uh, this was potentially what could challenge everything uh, in the traditional financial sense. And that's why I was really excited about it, uh, and 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 yeah, that that uh, couldn't really could I couldn't at the time see companies really solving for the passive investor. I all I saw 
when I logged into crypto platforms at the time was, you know, complex charts, uh, trading, the new coin of the week, uh, uh, margin, uh, take, take, borrow and trade further. Uh, and, and just the incentives towards long-term wealth building was not there. And I, and I felt that there's an opportunity for, for a, for a company to really cater to the passive investor very well. And, and that's why we ended up beginning. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the research bit of how you got into crypto and that's so common uh, to see in a lot of people who obviously be, eventually become passionate about the space where you start somewhere and you go down this rabbit hole of just understanding the world and the domain a little bit more. Uh, obviously, you being a finance background person looked at it as, uh, you know, assets and how to make uh, wealth, like you just said. Uh, what was the... Uh, that was that's also a sector which is so um, you know it's so diverse in the kind of things you can build on right uh, when you said you didn't see anyone focusing on long term wealth creation uh, how did you know that there was even a market for it i mean if you if if you look at the first generation crypto folks they're all uh, traders holders or whatever you have monica you want to call them so why how did you think that there was a market why did you think there would be a market for uh, people who otherwise put money in FDs and then how they choose to do it with you uh, in Bitcoin so, and so on? So thanks for the question. I think the second generation of folks who got into crypto were the traders, the active uh, traders who, who who speculate on the asset. The first generation really were libertarian uh, folks who wanted a system uh, disconnected from the centralized mm-hmm. banking networks. And, and and that aspect attracted me more towards crypto than anything else. And uh, while that customer base was early, they were still sitting on uh, early and in turn, not very big, uh, uh, at least at the time, whereas most people were getting in uh, for short-term speculation. Um, I knew that most of the capital is actually sitting dormant. I mean, you can monitor mm. wallet activity, you can monitor... Basically, year on year growth of the asset class, and in turn, you know, time what the average deposit, what the average dollar value per owner would be if, let's say, they just blindly joined in 2016 or 2015 mm. or 2014, right? Mm. So uh, the the Pareto clearly said that a, you know, lots of these wallets are not active, and b, that's where most of the capital is actually sitting. Uh, but all of that was, you know, research that contributed towards building the conviction. I just wanted to build a platform that I could use and build well, more than anything else. So I was the first customer. Wonderful. And and given that it's such a volatile asset, right? Uh, as an asset class, it's volatile because, I mean, uh, so many reasons. But uh, amongst others, it's like anyone can trade anywhere. There's so, you know really no boundaries to what you can do with uh, your, your crypto. It just moves across Isn't it amazing? the globe. Uh, yeah. instantly 24 7 yeah so so how would you how did you build the how did you go about actually solving the problem like getting into what the vault product is a little bit right what is the underlying methodology in which you actually are able to do offer the investment services that you offer i know you guys uh, you know you offer lending you offer interest on on your crypto uh, how does the mechanism actually work for all parties to make money sure so we, when we started, at, uh, when we decided to start, we really wanted to put a finger on what is that one thing that Vault is going to do uniquely well, such that maybe two years down the line or three years down the line, we could call ourselves world class. 
because we knew crypto is a is a global opportunity it's not really localized um, um and if you look at the largest crypto companies they're not really uh, local crypto opportunities they're they're trying to service the global crypto market uh, so we knew okay we had to we we we, ha- we identified uh, a persona which is the uh, possibly high net worth passive investor we knew that this customer is global um the good thing is you don't need banking integrations in every country to service them from day one because they're already in crypto uh, so okay then now that we know that they don't trade um they trade less less than once a month what do they want to do with their crypto some people use it for payments but most people really hold on to it and and want that appreciation a lot of people are in it for the medium to long term uh growth of the asset class in itself and in turn mm-hmm. you know the tokens that they're bullish on so we felt okay since that's why most people have adopted it and that's why most people are holding on to it for that long how do we drive that further and there are there were a few things that came up version one of the product was of course is there a way for us to build a credit ecosystem such that we can connect lenders and borrowers such that the people actually sitting on this capital can compound their asset whereas uh with in the absence of the system if they had one bitcoin uh 2 years later 3 years later they'd still be sitting with one bitcoin right uh, and mm. let's say if we built a, a system of credit uh, whatever that interest rate may be for argument sake let's say it was 5 or 10% uh one year later it would be 1.1 uh 2 years later mm. it would be 1.21 and 3 years later it would be 3.3 maybe 4 or 5 right uh, sorry 1.34 or something so we felt that okay these they have a long long uh, relatively long time horizon and an interest rate product could be an excellent hook to getting them on the platform so that's why we started with that but then over time we saw customers um really wanting to to commit to longer term lockins because they know they're not irrespective of what the market does they're not going to trade in the next one year so that's where the fixed deposit product came in which is lo- commit for a longer duration earn higher interest then we noticed customers um trying to time the market but not very efficiently so every time the market would go up or down not not by 2% or something like that because that's what an active trader would do but let's say the market moved by 10% they would want to do something like they they may want to buy a little more they may want to change their allocation a little bit yeah. and we saw them moving their capital from vault to an exchange and then bring it back so we built a simple swap then a, a more complicated uh, a more robust system for that transaction to be captured because capital leaving the platform we we classified as that is churn and then from there okay so their swap use case was captured within world and and uh what we were not doing however is helping them they were still trying to time the market in some shape or form passive investors are not very good at doing this so we built the the sip product we we call it uh, automatic investment plans and you can you can either average based on time which is every day week or month but more importantly you can also buy the dip so every time the market drops 5% or 10% you can auto buy the asset or the basket of assets that you have so that's in in a sense um what vault does today and um over the next maybe 12 months we're going to drive the 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 long term investor passive investors persona much better and offer uh, a much more holistic experience not just from a tax and compliance standpoint because i think that's a lot of what's happening in india and, and the rest of the world yeah. there's regulatory clarity there's taxation clarity all of that is happening which is great 
uh, more institutional capital is going to come in. It's, it's becoming more uh, institutionalized, if I may, right? Uh, yeah. But even beyond that, how do we how do we ensure that this is going to be the default asset for saving or or payments or a combination of both? How do we ensure that it's there? We capture a higher ratio of the total banking transactions or banking activity, and and that's how we think about building our roadmap from there. Yeah. You know, just to dig a little deeper on what you're, everything you explained, like what you just spoke about is amazing. The, uh, you know, it's it's great because it captures, like you said, typical behavior which people who hold crypto or hold crypto as an asset class anyway do, right? They're always they know what they have, they know the value grows over time. Uh, they, you know, they typically want to buy the dip and so on and so forth. But one fundamental difference, and again, a layman's view of looking at this is. That unlike a traditional bank who works on fiat currency, uh, their entire uh, they do what they do and they earn interest and money and so on and so forth is because they redeploy all the capital and assets that they hold into uh, wherever in wherever people can use the money, right? So people banks lend to let's say uh, real estate projects or other big places where money gets spent. And capital is then returned based on the business that the money gets spent in. Uh, is that? I don't think that's exactly the same with crypto because there's very few places you can spend your crypto and then earn crypto back. So, how how do you handle that, or does that eventually become uh, just go into fiat again? So there are a few use case uh, use cases as to where this capital gets deployed. One is. Uh, folks want an equity line of credit. Let's say you're sitting on Reliance Industries, uh, uh, just a few shares of that, and hypothetically, it's appreciated maybe 50x. Uh, the second you sell, you're looking at a capital gains liability in a very meaningful manner, right? Uh, uh, depending on where you are, it could be anywhere between maybe 20% to upwards of 40%, 50%, even if, let's say, yes. depending on the state in the US. So just, just for you to get access to that capital, you'll have to book that 20 to 50% and your $100 basically becomes 48 or $58, depending on what the tax rate yeah. is. Uh, that $2 is less because that was your principal amount. Um, instead of that, what we, what we realized is people want access to their liquidity, but uh, a system of credit is more efficient to make that happen. Uh, so we, we facilitate loans against that portfolio and they can, they can draw down uh, as an equity line of credit, without while holding on to that hundred percent in terms of principal, uh, they get sixty-seven percent uh, of their total principal as a loan, and they can do whatever they want with that. So they borrow dollars uh, in the crypto world, and they may choose to do whatever they may want to. So some of them take it to an exchange and then swap it for dollars. They take it to a local exchange, depending on where they are. Um, so simple over collateralized leverage is one example. Um, Hedge funds and traders drive their return on equity through margin, right? So if they have a trading strategy, you can really double down on that once you have access to more capital and, and they're very happy paying for that access to capital. Uh, that's a, a significant a allocation as well. And then the third is some of these tokens are uh, uh, have a consensus mechanism called proof of stake. So we stake the assets on, on a customer's behalf and that's where the yield is generated. That's actually a good, uh, you know, I I think everyone's heard 
this word thrown around a little bit. I'm not sure if everyone knows the details. So could you explain what exactly staking is and, and how that works? Okay. Staking is a mechanism to which you validate the system of consensus on a, on a blockchain. Now, if let's say you are maintaining a, cent maintaining a centralized database, you would be reading, uh, I mean, you, you would be controlling the read and write function. So uh, no redundancy. I mean, if let's say there was only one copy of the ledger. Um, and Okay, maybe I can zoom out. Think of Paytm, right? Paytm is, a, is essentially a ledger of balances before UPI probably, yeah. right? Paytm lets you top up your Paytm wallet. It lets you settle amongst your friends. It lets you pay yeah. a merchant. Yeah. It's basically a database as uh, where your username is your phone number, your balance is your balance, and your password is your password. Similarly, the crypto network has a parallel, which is your username is your public key, your balance is your balance, and your private key is your password. Instead of what they function differently, instead of Paytm having complete writing capability, which, which is what it does, right? It can close your account. It can reverse transactions. It yeah. can uh, just do a bunch of things, right? If let's say they don't like what you're doing, they can, they can deduct your balance without your consent. Um, and there are pros and cons to a centralized system, primarily scalability. The cons clearly being, uh, if you actually want to control your funds, it's not the best system yeah. to, to have that in. And draw that same parallel with Paytm to a bank, it's the same system. Draw that same uh, yeah. uh, parallel to a CBDC, it's the same system. Uh, it's just depending on who has writing control. On a blockchain, however, uh, nobody has writing control. Or rather, the writing control is on the database is determined by some broadly defined technology rules. And the way to, yeah. to reach consensus on, on what the actual transactions are and what the potential... Uh, fraud transactions are is the, is the system of consensus. Now the the crypto network have has two primary system of consensus. One is the proof of stake, and then the uh, the, the the original one or the the one Bitcoin and Ethereum currently operate on is a proof of work network. So there are again efficiencies and and uh, inefficiencies versus proof of stake and proof of work. But just long story short, they to the incentive to ensure that there is decentralization and the consensus is done right, there's a reward that's paid out. Now that reward right. is so you can claim that reward if you if you either mine on proof of work or you stake on proof of stake. Uh, either way, you're helping the system of consensus. Now, to help the system of consensus, you get paid, and that payment essentially is paid in the form of an interest payment with on board. So we abstract nice. all of that complexity away. And all we say is, tum kharido, tum becho. You don't need to do anything else. You get the interest rate paid up to you automatically. And we manage that capital on the customer's behalf. Wow. Wow. And that's exactly, I mean, that's it. that efficiency is exactly what you're capturing. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Darshan, I mean, I know we are, we are down our own rabbit hole of uh, crypto talk. So I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, come back and then continue our conversation for everyone else. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, hey, Darshan. Thank you for you know uh, going into so much detail uh, just before the break around exactly what proof of stake is. And that's actually interesting because these are all technologies which, uh, I mean, the whole entire crypto world is built on top of tech rules versus 
business rules per se, which the world of maybe uh, you know rupees and dollars has been built on uh, all this while. So that's very interesting. Uh, but uh, getting into why crypto as a uh, as an asset class and as a domain is so is so I mean wildly contested in especially in let's say uh, you know. A, financial authority circles and, uh, you know, uh, regulatory circles. Uh, to, and to the fact that even you guys as a, as a company have are registered outside of India uh, and you, pro- you provide all of these services, like you said, of course, globally. Uh, so what's your take on that? Like, how was, was there anything that you had to purposefully saw, uh, step out of the country for in order to provide the services that you provide? So let me unequivocally state something. You run a product and when you're building a product for the world, there are certain, depending on where your market is and where your customers is, it's more efficient to have your parent company in that same region. So a classic example is our SaaS companies that you know some of us may know, Zoho, Freshworks, all of them. They're actually registered in the US. And that's because they know where their enterprise customers are. It's in the US. So just more efficient to to ensure that that entity in itself uh, or the invoicing entity, however that may look like, is based in the US. Now, for us, we knew we were building a product from day one, a product for the world from day one. And and because of that, we knew we were going after the Asian opportunity. And when we zoomed out and look at financial hubs for Asia, there were only one or two desks. Uh, One was Hong Kong and the next was Singapore. And when we evaluated both of them, we saw that the MES, which is the... RBI equivalent in Singapore had made more progress around regulatory clarity with this asset, which is why we decided to register in Singapore. And at the time, we didn't even know whether we would service Indian customers, just so you know, because this was 2018 and 2019, and there was a banking ban then. So we were, for all intents and purposes, building for Asia, not for India. And of course, because of the Supreme Court verdict being over, uh, uh, the Supreme Court overturned the RBI banking ban. Uh, we saw that India was an underserved opportunity, which is why we also onboard customers in India. Um, and at that time, it didn't make sense to restructure. Uh, but given that most of our business is still from outside India, it, it makes more sense to have the entity in the region where most of the business is. So that is why we're in Singapore. But again, uh, regulatory clarity being one, um, they've, they've been they have they've had. Uh, Licensing clarity since Jan of 2020, which in the crypto world is very, very long. Uh, I think time just moves much slower and a lot more happens in the same amount of time. I mean, rate of change is also very high in crypto. So it's been one of those regions that have clearly positioned themselves as a crypto destination. So it just made sense for us to be there. Right. And, you know, given that the market in India, again, specifically is uh, at least getting better than before. Uh, even though it has its own uh, complexities and additionals, uh, you know, taxes and whatnot have you. Are you still seeing interest from, are you, like you said, it's an underserved market. Uh, what's been your uh, your product's uh, interest specifically, right? As a investment product, as a ways to sort of grow your assets, uh, what's the feedback been from Indian customers? Is that something they would rather do, trade in volatility and so on and so forth? Do you get that uh, feedback often? So if you look at, so both of those activities happen in a very meaningful manner, even in India. But if you look at size of business, if let's say crypto was accepted a long time ago versus whether it was relatively recent, um, 
crypto has had regulatory clarity in New York since 2017. That's five years now. So uh, people who got in in 2015, 16, 17 in in the US have had the tremendous upside of the appreciation of the asset class. So even if you were passive, because you're sitting on face value far higher than what you originally invested, the the there's more of a, a hold on to your asset for the long term mentality versus you know Indians getting the opportunity to really reinvest in crypto post the banking ban since 2020. So I would say the ratio of customers is more skewed, or even the activity is more skewed on the trading side in India. Whereas in 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 the more developed markets, there's enough of an opportunity for both. Um, but that doesn't mean over a two three year timeline we can't build a, a robust. Uh, a financial uh, institution with crypto at the center. It's just that it's not enough of a an opportunity. If let's say you were just building a credit product just for India, especially because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, regulate regulation could go uh, either way. I'm not saying that it will, but uh, just from a, a de-risking perspective, you don't want to do that. Right. No, I I was actually more trying to understand if there is now that you know the, the to the earlier example people who uh, india is known as a country of hoarders in some sense right i mean we we pile up on gold love our fds uh, we you know like the old school larger uh, uh, market of people who uh, save actually do save i mean whatever small amount i think we are a saving first sort of culture So, do you see the parallels of that finally happening for crypto as well, or maybe the early should uh, you know start of that? So early signs for sure, but not quite. Uh, I think gold is very, it's very very well established in India. It's, I think right. it's the biggest customer saving product uh, outside of real estate in India, um, and I think India has more than twenty percent of the outstanding gold supply in just households, right? Yeah. So uh, comparing it to gold. at this moment is 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 not fair because gold has been a much safer investment for many generations uh, uh right. and and it's something that you can tangibly hold but i think ensuring that we solve for trust will will happen post regulatory clarity and when that does happen uh, i'm sure we can make a better case for a gold alter- alternative with crypto um that's pretty much what bitcoin's trying to solve for but yeah. i wouldn't say i i wouldn't say it's it's very well established i mean if if somebody holds a lot of gold is a is a very low probability that they also hold a lot of crypto whereas uh, that is not necessarily the case. that that overlap is very small uh, just so you know um, it, it's more more often than not either or i mean in india the the crypto holder is younger uh, whereas yeah. the, the the gold owner is is older it's Someone with more experience, someone with more wealth. Yeah. So I still think there's a tremendous opportunity, and that will be unlocked post-regulatory clarity. Right. No, I mean I think uh, uh, I hope I haven't heard any scary stories of let's say uh, young guy selling their gold and getting Bitcoin. Uh, but let's. I don't let's know any how... young guy who owns gold, but I mean, please uh, step in. Well, family gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, I haven't heard that yeah, either. That has. Uh, but. I'm, I've definitely not heard of anybody under the age of thirty who's bought gold and also owns crypto. That's it's very interesting that you say that. So they're actually like distinct sets of people, but yeah. you never know the mind share. Uh, eventually, yeah. might flip uh, once once uh, you know gold goes a little bit less, let's say 
as an asset class. But coming to actually, uh, you know, the com- the company you guys are building now. Obviously, you guys have you know since you launched in uh, 2018, the world has changed. I think there's so much more tremendous amount of activity in crypto as a space. How what are what are your next like 12 months, 18 months? Like you said, crypto time shrinks in the crypto space. So how are you guys looking at? building products, technology, uh, platform over the next, you know, six to nine months or even longer? Like, what's the vision? What's really worked for us is listening to what the customer wants um, and listening by directly talking to them. But also the beauty of crypto is that all of all of the activities on open blockchain, as long as you have a, a strong data analytics intent, you, you, you can clearly look at where activity is going and, and what's actually happening. So... Um, it's not operating in silos uh, like the Web2 world. I mean, uh, to to understand Facebook's revenue, uh, you have to wait for their quarterly disclosures. To understand Facebook's monthly mm-hmm. active users, you have to wait for their quarterly disclosures. To understand how many ads served on Facebook, you have to wait for their quarterly disclosures, right? Time spent, whatnot. All of that is very transparent. You can look at total uh, wallets interacting with contracts, total transactions on a daily basis, you can look at frequency, uh, average transaction size. You can look at frequency of transactions per wallet. Uh, you can look at activity across one blockchain versus another. Activity across, let's say, an apples to apples comparison of the same product, uh, one brand versus another. You can, like, all of that is completely open. So we're very fortunate that way that we're, we know what our, our, our value proposition is, which is ensure that we drive that long term wealth building. And as long as that, we're confident that. Any any new activity uh, can further drive that. We're very interested in, in in making something happen. So an example of something that we chose to sit out of is the whole NFT boom of 2021. Now, mm. while there was tremendous amount of wealth built, if you let's say invested in the top five ten percent of the NFT projects, we just didn't think the long term holder had as much to benefit as opposed to the creator economy. We felt that that persona didn't overlap and. We do see a lot of crypto platforms offer the NFT marketplace yeah. and the crypto exchange and the crypto yield product, right? We're not here to solve everything for everyone. We know what we're good at and we know what we're trying to do. Um, we definitely want to be one side of that transaction, which is if, let's say, we're the final destination of funds uh, or a wild branded property is is a final destination of funds. Mm-hmm. We want to ensure that if customers want to buy NFTs, that's fine. But that doesn't mean we need to build a marketplace. For that. Uh, there are yeah. very good marketplaces out there. So... Staying true to what we're trying to do, not chasing every shiny uh, little star in the New crypto thing. space yeah. is, is is very important. And uh, that clarity has trickled in or rather resulted in us having very solid customer experience in the products that we offer. Because, I mean, as an early stage company, you can only do a few things well. And uh, feature building really does not solve your core business problems. Uh, it's much better to focus on one thing that you do well and, and be world-class at that. and and then work backwards from ensuring that your customers are happy. That's what's working for us. So is it is it more financial products? Uh, is it just uh, yes. more efficiency? Uh, you said like the whole I world. I wouldn't say more efficiency. Our, our mission is to accelerate the transition to decentralized money. We want more, a percentage of, let's say, let's say there are 100% of each customer's banking transactions or financial transactions. And let's say crypto is maybe not even... 0.01% of all financial transactions. Vault's mission is to accelerate that growth. So we want that 0.01 to become 0.1 and then 1 and then 2 and then 3. 
which means uh, and, and the reason why we want that is because we think it's just a better system of of wealth saving as well as banking so we're going to drive saving we're going to drive payments and we're going to drive banking with this as a primary store of value or store of funds um, anything that comes under that i would say cohort of use cases is you're going to see very deeply integrated into world over time awesome and how what about uh, you know do you want to like do a shout out to the kind of folks who might be interested in joining your team uh what kind of folks do you look for what's your team like size of team maybe or you know just yeah. describe the company a little bit so i'm not sure if uh, your viewers know this but when we raised our series a we were just six people we saw the tremendous upside of keeping the team small and working with the best people that we could find and we're staying true to that we want to work with folks who are better than us at any function be it product management design front end engineering back end engineering any engineering be it marketing be it biz dev we we understand the difference in leverage between good versus great and we want to work with the best people out there and 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 we think we have a lot to offer because as opposed to many of the companies that are scaling very aggressively don't get me wrong we're definitely scaling aggressively on the business side um what someone who works at void gets is an exceptional peer group because everybody is truly truly great at what they do and 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 we set the bar really high and and we'd love we'd love for more people who are very good at what they do to reach out to us there's a hiring board on our website there on our on void.com's linkedin uh, we have a bunch of job openings and uh, maybe you, you could even send me a dm on twitter because that's open and uh, yeah we we'd love to talk in case in case you fall under uh, any of the uh, any of the capabilities that a startup an early stage startup can benefit and we'd love to talk awesome what what is your twitter handle if you want to shout it out for listeners it's at darshan bathija d a r s h a n b a t h i j a you know darshan the conversation uh, today has been so interesting especially because like any crypto conversation today i think most conversations you learn something new at least a new aspect of this whole uh, of the world which is evolving so fast and uh, you know given that you guys have built this fantastic product and bunch of services around it uh, again with the long term uh, investor in mind or long term wealth creation in mind uh, i hope a lot more people will uh, the people who are so far sitting on the sidelines uh, trying to think about this as a volatile market might just get into it uh, in the for the long run so it's great that you guys are doing this uh, thanks so much for uh, sharing uh, what your journey has been and what ball does uh, with us today uh, for everyone listening in uh, if you like this episode uh, please leave us a rating a review wherever you're listening to this podcast and uh, you know tell a friend share uh, share what uh, you what you heard today and of course uh, give darshan a shout out on twitter or on linkedin or wherever else in case you like what paul is doing so thank you so much darshan this was great look forward to seeing more stuff uh, coming out of uh, of world over the year, the next few months and years congratulations thanks a lot thanks so much for having me this was a lot of fun